0: A study has found self-denial remains one of the main barriers for young people struggling with disordered eating. The study from Flinders University says only one in four people under the age of 25 seek help for an eating disorder, with the majority either in denial or believing their problems aren't bad enough to require treatment. The study targeted low socioeconomic areas where barriers to treatment included poor nutrition, food security issues, and a lack of support network. Flinders University professor Tracy Wade has told National Radio News reporter Remy Norton diet fads and other weight loss trends actually triggered the denial of disordered eating habits.
1: But we know that even if people don't meet a diagnosis and have problems with their eating, they have the same level of impairment. So rather than just measuring yes or no, do you have it or don't you, we actually measure the severity of the symptoms. And that ranges across not eating properly, uh, purging, being worried about body image, spending time avoiding social contact because of concerns about eating or appearance. We look at the severity of the disordered eating rather than just the presence or absence of an eating disorder.
2: Then from there, what was the correlation between high eating disorder symptoms and the denial of the illness?
1: The denial of disordered eating is quite common and it's a little bit different from other mental health problems like depression and anxiety where people perhaps are more willing to recognise the symptoms. Um, The problem with eating disorders is that uh, of course losing weight and being on a diet are usually socially very acceptable. So it is a real challenge to to overcome that social acceptability. It um, is a significant association, that um, and in fact it's the strongest one out of all the, the ones that we looked at, including stigma. People talk a lot about the stigma of putting your hand up to say you've got an eating disorder, but in our research it came up with denial being the strongest predictor of people not wanting to get treatment for their eating. And denial is really just about not recognising the seriousness of the problem.
2: Why did your study then target low socioeconomic areas?
1: Well, a lot of uh, studies, a lot of intervention studies are uh, done with university students, done with people from higher socio-economic status, and so the study was really positive in that regard because we showed that these therapies work just as well with groups that are more financially challenged and more socially challenged. So you need to consider other issues and give other types of support, for example, trying to ensure regular access to food through food banks and things like that.
2: Why are other forms of eating disorders not included in treatment programs? Since
1: COVID, eating disorders have increased by 15% around the world. So there's a huge demand on clinics and on wait lists. So wait lists have blown out and um, a lot of treatment programs, unfortunately, in order to try to manage the demand, sometimes have to make difficult decisions about who they can help and who they can't.
2: You touched on COVID there. Why did the pandemic exacerbate the prevalence of eating disorders? Yeah, the
1: the observation that eating disorders increased over COVID, and it seemed to be particularly an increase in adolescence and particularly with anorexia nervosa. And so we still don't have a definitive answer to that. There are a few uh, ideas about why that happened. I think there was a lot of concern during COVID, even if you weren't in a lot of lockdowns, about having less exercise, and about um, the possibility of putting on weight so the other issue that seemed to be important was an increased use of social media amongst young people again particularly focused on you know not gaining weight during COVID, exercising
2: at home talking about food what we were placing eating disorders into a primary health care category do that current strategies haven't been able to
1: the primary health tend to require less assessment or less barriers for people people can often walk off the street and inquire about a service if you're going to a tertiary healthcare service you need a gp referral and you might um, you know be quite a wait list so it can take a time even to be assessed the idea of primary health is just making it much easier for people to even inquire about help even to say like i don't know if i need help can i talk to someone Psychologically, when people are being referred to a specialist service, they think they're not, again, the, the denial might kick in and they think, well, I'm not that bad. There's other people that need this more than I do. We need, we need both. We're not saying one or the other, but traditionally eating disorders has been treated just out of tertiary health care. And we need to make sure that there are good services in the primary healthcare sector as well.
0: That was Professor Tracy Wade from Flinders University there, speaking with National Radio News' Remy Norton.